Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I find the readings this morning a little thin, unfortunately, uh, in terms of preaching. They're, yes, I know, Frank, they're great, but what can you add to them? Just listen to them. That's it. Just, just hear it. As a preacher, sometimes I just want to get up here and say, did you hear that? What else is there to say? You know, and, and so for me as a preacher, I feel like I have to say something that adds something to the scripture, because if I'm just repeating the scripture, I might as well read it again. So, um, so I'm trying to find something to say about this reading about the precocious 12-year-old Jesus who stays with the temple and... Um, he drives his mother and father crazy with worry and then says, don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Boom, that's the punchline. We all get it. Great. Now what? Where do you, where do you go from there? Um, and, and, and what I'm going to do is start where I'm not going to go, which is uh, the Gnostic Acts of Thomas, which is a very popular book in the medieval period, but it was roundly condemned as heretical by the early church, where it fills in all the gaps of Jesus' childhood, because this is all we've got. You know, from birth to 29, there's this one episode in the Bible of when he was 12, and that's all we know about Jesus' childhood. So there's a great big gap about what happened in Jesus' childhood, which early writers filled in. And so there is something called a, the, the Acts of Thomas, which had other stories of Jesus in his childhood where he fashioned birds out of clay and then brought them to life, and, and he murdered a few other children with a thought like Darth Vader, and the church rightly decided that this is probably not going to be canonical. Um, so I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to fill in the gaps, but I am going to spring out of that reflection on Jesus' childhood and talk a little bit about childhood and spirituality. That's where I'm going to go this morning, and just share a few of my, uh, my learnings over the years of the relationship between childhood and spirituality. The first thing I know about childhood is that it is a, it's a high place spiritually, that, that as a child you are open to mystery and awe and wonder and God's presence in a way that, uh, that in, as you move into midlife you find hard, harder and harder to recapture. So there's an innocence and an openness in childhood that becomes an icon for spirituality later in life. And you remember Jesus saying, unless you become like one of these, you will not inherit my kingdom. So there's something about that state of childhood which represents a, a strong place of spirituality, a place that we need to get back to somehow. Um, there's a big ring here. Can you just take it down a little? Um, so if you look at spirituality on a graph of your life, it kind of looks like this. You're born, your spirituality is really high, you're fresh from God, and you're connected to the universe, and it's all amazing, and then life happens, and you, you, you pull farther and farther away until you're in your midlife, and you're so weighed down with your cares and your work and your family and your worries that you don't have a lot of time for spirituality. You sort of carry on, but that's about it. And then as you age, it starts coming back up again as these questions about your mortality start to become more present. And then you pick up kind of where you left off in your early life. So you have this kind of inverted curve of spirituality through your life. And so... So childhood also takes on great importance as you start moving up on the other side of that curve where you say, what was the unfinished business? And certainly part of the, the growth of a spiritual person is to reopen questions that have been closed since childhood. 
Because not only is childhood a place of great openness to spirituality, it's also the place where we started to take damage as human beings and our spirits started to be a little bit broken. All of us are a little bit broken by the time we reach adulthood. We've been hurt by life, by circumstance. We've been frustrated. We've been angry. We've closed off parts of ourselves that will never be fulfilled. And so we, we just carry that with us into adulthood. And we've got our coping strategies, and we manage to get along just fine as adults. But a lot of it is by just patching over and burying a lot of the places in which we are broken. And we carry that brokenness, that baggage with us into our relationships and our working life. And sometimes they are, they are harder to carry than others uh, at other times, um, but they're there. And part of the spiritual trajectory is to reopen those hurts and go back into them and find some healing in the midst of them. So, so often, spirituality and therapy dovetail quite nicely together, where that excavation of what happened in the childhood becomes part of the spiritual landscape for maturing in Christ in later years. But once again, you're back in your childhood trying to figure that stuff out. Why do I always react in this unhealthy way in this situation? Well, it has everything to do with my father, doesn't it? And maybe I need to open that up and let it be a little bit healed. And when I, when I go therapeutic in that direction, I want to make sure that there's a, still a distinction. Therapy is not spiritual growth. It's related to spiritual growth. There's a lot of overlap. But spiritual growth is bigger than therapy. Therapy is usually issue-focused, and it's also focused on um, some notion of health or survivability or getting on in life and not, you know, not having bad habits. Um, spirituality allows you to stay broken. You don't have to get fixed from a spiritual perspective because we all know that we are all going to remain broken. And therapy can get us functional, but even when we're functional, we are still broken, and spirituality encompasses that. But even in that brokenness, uh, Henry Nouwen said in one of his masterpieces uh, that at the end of his life, he couldn't say that he was a better person than he was when he was 16. But what he could say is that he knows himself a whole lot better. I know my highs, my strengths, and my weaknesses. I know my lows. I know who I am in my brokenness. And that itself is a form of healing. So that, 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 that connection to childhood, which is part of the spiritual trajectory, is not the same as therapy, which is focused on being functional. It's about, about connection to the God and to yourself which is about being forgiven, about being blessed, about being loved, and it's a different paradigm. So Jesus at 12 years old is at the, uh, is at the end of the childhood period before we move into the teenage years, and the story changes a little bit, and, we, and I'm, I'm not going to do what the Acts of Thomas does and start speculating in the absence, um, but, but I do find it interesting that this story comes at 12 particularly, because 12 is kind of a watershed year um, of moving from childhood into adolescence. Um, and it marks the end of the childhood period of spirituality. It's, a, it's in a sense, the end of innocence. Um, so, so to have Jesus' story of being in the temple and being fully engaged in the spiritual conversation at the age of 12 is is, a, is kind of a statement of the whole process of leading up to that point. We don't know what happened after that, but obviously he started his ministry at 29, so it carried on, presumably. Um, 
but but that that age of 12 is is a place of of completion of that phase of spiritual de- development and often uh, as adults we go back to that age in some ways there are there are ways in which we get stuck um, at certain points in our emotional life and it can be at five it can be 12 there are a couple of ages that psychologists have named as particular watershed years and 12 is one of them so so those um, that those childhood experiences those formative years are places where we keep returning again and again in our spiritual life as we develop who we are and we try to grow into who God intended us to be. The last thing I'll say about childhood is that um, we, we as a church always need to work really hard at, at accepting and acknowledging and celebrating the spirituality of childhood as it is. Um, the church, and I do this too, the church is adult-centric. Um, we, we're mostly adults. There's a lot of gray in the church as a rule. Um, and so we're mostly interested in that second part of the spiritual trajectory. But we need to make room for that first part because it forms people in this journey that will last for a lifetime. Um, and I can tell you as someone who is once born, I'm, I'm not a born-again Christian, my first 12 years were absolutely formative in the spirituality that I carry to this day, warts and all. Um, but for us as a church to focus on and make room for children to be children in our midst is a critical issue for us as a family of faith. Um, and and the, the one thing that we just do here without talking too much about, but I'm going to name it today, is, um, is include children in our worship process. I'm a big fan of, of having children in our midst in this, and doing real church while, church are, while children are in our midst because that openness to experience and transcendence is not a rational thing. It's not about the words. It's about the experience, the process, the being present. Um, and, and that is the essential quality of childhood spirituality, which we can look at and learn from as much as they look at our spirituality and learn from us. So as a community, we need to acknowledge that, that childhood spirituality as part of our spirituality and make room for it. And we can always do better, um, but, but we have to do it. And those are all my thoughts this morning on spirituality and childhood. Amen. <laughs>